0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard and musical theater fan here. So one of the biggest reasons that this podcast exists in the first place is because Now feels to me like this really exciting time when the worlds of musical theater and pop music are edging ever closer to each other and often overlapping in so many interesting ways. So I was especially excited to hear in early June that Warner Music Group created this new division called Arts Music precisely to focus on signing, developing and marketing artists and releases from outside the pop mainstream, including those from musical theater. And as part of the creation of the Arts Music Division, Warner entered this joint venture with a major theatrical music company called Chickaboom Ghostlight Records, which has put out so, 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 so many major Broadway recordings uh, over the past many, many years. So those two developments coming from a major label group like Warner felt really encouraging to me, like this real declaration of confidence in the increasing significance of musical theater and its artists today. And one of those artists is my guest on today's podcast. Mandy Gonzalez is already really well-known to Broadway audiences. She is part of the original tight-knit Lin-Manuel Miranda squad. She was the original Nina in In the Heights, and she's currently in Hamilton playing Angelica Schuyler. She is also the first artist to be launched on a new imprint under that arts music umbrella. Her album, which is called Fearless, uh, is out October 20th, and it has a lead single written by... Who else? Lin-Manuel Miranda himself, um, along with contributions from writers ranging from Broadway's Tom Kitt to Country Powerhouse Jennifer Nettles. Mandy is about to sing some of those songs at the legendary Cafe Carlisle in New York, starting October 24th. So in advance of those shows, she came by to chat with me about what it was like to make this record and her career on Broadway, both in and outside of Hamilton. Every
1: dollar, the first to go to The
0: spine. Smile for the neighbors. Everything's fine.
1: Everything's cool. The standard reply. Lots of tests. Lots of papers.
0: I'm so excited to meet you. you too. I've been a longtime fan Aww. since In the Heights. Thank you. Um, and very excited about you are the first art- artist on this new Warner Music imprint. Yes. Um, and I would love to hear about how that happened for you in the first place.
1: Well, how it happened for me. I'll start with the whole fearless movement that kind of got started at the beginning of this year. Um, I use social media like everybody does all the time, and I decided that I really wanted to try to have a positive impact on social media, and I didn't know how I would do that, but I started to get a sense from the people that followed me that they were also looking to do something and have a sense of belonging and a, a place of connection where they could talk about things and feel safe and feel like they had um, people behind them. So. I started this thing called Hashtag Fearless Squad, and I posted a picture with my friends because I feel like everybody needs a fearless squad. I wouldn't be where I am without my fearless squad. I mean, don't you? And so, um, and it kind of just took off, and people started to post pictures of themselves with their fearless squad, their pets, um, their family, their friends, um, and then also asking how they can be a part of my fearless squad so I started this movement and I said that you know the movement is about is about you and it's about um there's no everybody can be a part of it there's nobody that there's no rules where you can't be the only thing you have to do is follow the squad rules which are kind of um simple but when you think about it, they're really beautiful. It's like we look for the good, we embrace differences, we help each other when we fall, and we dream big. And so the Fearless Squad is kind of there to support you as you as you go along. And we talk about all different kinds of things. And so I... I started this movement. I started to talk to the squad almost every day, um, check in with them, see how they're doing. And um, it's kind of continued to grow into this beautiful, beautiful thing. They've done me the um, fearless squad mother, which I <laughs> <laughs> I have a five-year-old at home. So I feel like I'm, I feel responsible enough to take on that, mm-hmm. uh, that leadership. And I started to do since I left Wicked, I've been doing a lot of concerts in New York at all different venues, like Fifty Four Below, uh, Joe's Pub, and I love putting together putting together shows. And so I put together a show, a new show at uh, Fifty Four Below this past year, and um, Kurt Deutsch came to the show, and. I said, you know, Kurt, I really want to make an album. And we met and we started talking. And he said, I think this is something for the new label uh, at Warner. So let's go and meet with them. Um, I have an incredible producer, uh, Lou D'Ambrosio and Sandy Jacobs, who have come along with me throughout the beginning. And the first thing that Kurt said was, um, okay, who's going to produce this? What about Bill Sherman? And I know Bill because he did the orchestrations for for In the Heights, and I'm very—he's um, a dear friend, he's like a brother. And so I called Bill and I said, "Bill, I'm doing this album, and I want you to produce it." And he said, "Yep, okay." <laughs> and so, um, and so it kind of started. And when Bill and I sat down to talk about what I wanted the album to be, I really wanted songs and feelings of. To express feelings that I was where I was at right now, and a lot of that was dealing with the Fearless Squad and being someone to to be a take on more of a leadership role and being someone to inspire. And so um, we decided to call the album Fearless and meet with different writers that I admired and that would kind of fit in this this theme for the album. And Bill said, "I think we should call in and um, <laughs> see if he will <laughs> Just write as you can." <laughs> yeah, um, who's another incredible friend and an artist and uh, I feel so blessed to to know him but to call let's call in and see if he'll write the title track um, called Fearless and so that's how this whole thing started and Warner and Lou and Sandy and Bill have kind of been rallying behind me ever since but we put it all together and we got some incredible songs. And then we um we recorded it this summer and and now it's here and now it's happening. So that's long story short. That's pretty much how it all came to be. It's crazy. Well,
0: I, I think that this new arts music imprint at Warner is, such a great step towards recognizing that people from musical theater can sort of move into the pop realm more and have this wider audience. Did they talk to you at all about like what the goal was with the album? Or did you just have carte blanche to do creatively whatever you wanted to?
1: I really had, um, I'd say I creatively, I felt um, that Bill and I had worked so well together and collaborate so well together. So I felt like um, Warner was just kind of willing to, to see where we would go and to support us. So I feel like as an artist, I've completely been supported by, by Warner and by Lou and Sandy. And um, and that's such a blessing, I think, as an artist to have that, that freedom. Um, because it's music that was written by artists that I admire, but a lot of times when I've those different artists their music I'm singing it from a character's point of view and and this time it's from my point of view and and how I'm feeling I I know I know (laughs) so um and you know my voice is different than than other characters that I play so uh I really just got to to open up my heart and be myself and they were very very supportive of that because that's really what they wanted they're like we're really interested in um having a broader audience hear what what you sound like as an artist. And so I think that it's interesting and it's so smart because um there was a time, you know, when all pop music was from the theater. And I think that there's been a cultural shift, uh, especially with Hamilton, uh, where people are listening more to um to musical theater on a daily basis. I see, all different age groups, uh, at the stage door every night. Um, when I leave, it takes me about 30 to 45 minutes to (laughs) sign autographs, which is incredible and not the norm. And so, and I hear from different people, oh yeah, we just saw Dear Evan Hansen. We just saw, uh, Willy Wonka. We just saw Waitress and, you know, Sarah Bareilles wrote that show. So I think that there is definitely a shift happening. Um, you know, there's Duncan Sheik just played the Cafe Carlisle. It's, Mm -hmm. um, all of these different pop, pop artists, and but it really it's about it's just about good music. People want to be moved and they want to be uplifted, and I think that to hear the, what the artists are doing, these writers are doing um, in the theater world is so important. So I I give props to Warner for that.
0: Completely. I actually yeah. I spoke to Duncan a while ago about the um, Secret Life of Bees musical that he's working on. Yeah, and he was saying that for so many years he was just striving for like a radio audience, and now, weirdly, it feels like the widest audience he can have and the place where he can be most creative is in the theater, and that is such a sort of unexpected thing, but I think that really speaks to the possibility. It does. It does. I mean,
1: (laughs) theater is, that's why I moved here from Los Angeles, because it was what I wanted to do, because it was a sense of, uh, there is a sense of belonging in theater that you can't get anywhere else and a sense of community, and so I wanted to be a part of that. And so I think other people that are watching these shows that are listening and you know because we're talking about the things that people are thinking about. And so I think they also want to be part of that that community that's like, "Hey, what do you think?" So it's kind of uh, nice, and it's also inspiring to see um, all the young people that are also writing their own songs, you know, that tell me about it at the stage door, like, oh, you know, I never thought that I could write a musical, and then I saw Hamilton, and now I'm going to write my story, and that's how it <laughs> should be, you know? And Imagine going to Hamilton and being like, I can do that, too. I know. Well, <laughs> I, I leave, th- and I'm like, I will never do anything <laughs> like this in my life. <laughs> well, I think that that's the power of, of the theater, and that's the power of good theater, is that it it transcends and it makes you dream and it takes you to like all different kinds of places. We have these incredible, um, matinees for, um, for students in 11th grade at public schools and they can come and see the show for, I think it's $20. I'm not sure. And, um, it's the whole, and it's a regular matinee, but the whole matinee is 11th graders in uh, New York city. And, the interesting thing is, is that they have to perform their own piece before they get to watch the show for their peers. And we also get to come and watch them and cheer them on. And it's extraordinary to see like what, you know, these young artists are writing and, you know, the support that their community is giving them. So it's it's totally inspiring. That's amazing. And yeah. there
0: must be a lot of like singing along that you hear in the audience. Definitely.
1: Definitely. But the <laughs> funny thing is is that it's it used to be where it's just like young, young people like singing along, but now it's Um, young people and then their parents usually they're like rocking out in the front like when Jefferson comes out they're like yeah Jefferson and it's like the mom (laughs) and the daughter freaking out so um, it's really it's a beautiful thing and um, you can't help but just kind of smile because you can see them I mean they're right in the front and if they're head bopping it's like it's hard not to notice but it's it's all ages that are coming to the theater and it's really beautiful.
0: Hamilton is definitely a a rock concert experience It is right?
1: Although I went to see um, School of Rock, too. And that was, I took so my daughter to that. And that was so much fun. And and that was like a rock concert. And at the end, she was like, yeah. And we were both like, yeah, this is okay. And so, um, I don't know. There's something about... The theater right now, something about Broadway that's spilling out into uh, all cultures. So Yay, it's Broadway. exciting.
0: Yeah, Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Lynn's song. Um, yeah. Did you? Was that a collaborative experience writing it, or how did it kind of come together? Well,
1: um, Bill and I had talked to Lynn, and Lynn said, "Of course, I'll I'll write a song um, so generously." And uh, and then he went. He had been in uh, Mary Poppins. Um, for a year he'd been filming Mary Poppins and then he was going on vacation to um, to Europe so he said I'll write it when I'm on vacation because you know Lynn just keeps going like he's just this amazing artist whose mind just keeps working and so I said (laughs) I know and so I said oh oh, are you sure like and he's like yeah and I said well let me tell you what fearless means to me and uh, I told him about uh, the fearless squad and how much I care about all the people in that. And then I told him about how my parents met and how my father was uh, drafted to Vietnam when he was 18. My father was grew up as a migrant worker, um, and they followed the crop all through the United States. They settled in California, and uh, he worked in the fields until he was 18 drafted to Vietnam. And my mom was a Jewish girl from the valley um, who... <laughs> had a love of people and wanted to join the Peace Corps. And her parents said, absolutely not. And uh, so she decided that the way, I guess there was some organization that was saying, if you want to have a pen pal in Vietnam um, to write to a soldier, you could do that. And so she wrote to my father and uh, they fell in love through the the letters through his year in Vietnam. And so when he came back, he went back to um, Reedley, California, where he's from. And he realized that It wasn't where he belonged anymore. So he got in his car and he drove and he showed up on my mom's doorstep. And my grandparents were not happy (laughs) because he was from a different culture. And uh, it was just so different. And so my mom really did have to decide – not in that moment, but they fell in love, you know. She, my dad is such a handsome man, like, and my mom's so beautiful, like, you because know. It's a lot of grand gesture. It, it is, it is, it is. <laughs> so um, so they fell in love, and uh, her her parents uh, said, absolutely not. And um, they got married, they eloped, and they had us. And my dad, being um, such an open-hearted person, he said that, you know, we have to make peace with your parents. And so they did. And so I grew up with my grand both sets of grandparents loving us unconditionally. But it was because of their uh, fearlessness that really uh, allowed me to even be here. So I I told them that story and he was like, whoa, that's a great story. And I was <laughs> like, I know. And I'm like, and it's true. And I hope that when people hear that story in the song, because um, I talk a lot in the beginning about this is what, you know, the world can do to you is kind of box you in and make you feel like you have to be this or that. And then I tell the story about my parents who also felt that way, but through their fearlessness and and fight, they uh, found their way out. And so I hope that people also feel like through their story that they can find their way out and uh, follow their heart. So yeah, so that's, uh, you know, within two weeks, like Lynn wrote me that song. And I was like, this is amazing. And Bill and I were like, this is amazing. Oh my God. You're and like, then, I guess I could work with. This. I, I know, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then, um, you know, I listened to it in my room, and I cried. And when we when we finished the song and we mastered it, um, it was it was kind of a crazy time because my Abuelita uh, passed away, and she's was in uh, Fresno, California, and so I was driving with my parents from Los Angeles. It takes about five hours to get there, and you drive through. Um, all the different fields so you drive through the orange orchards and the grapevine and everything like that and as i was driving up um i said you guys i really want to play you this song and so i put it on and i was like a kid like i was in the middle seat um my parents were in Mm -hmm. the front and they just looked at each other and held hands and my dad is a man of few words and he said that's our story and i said yep that's your story and so Uh i'm so honored that their story is going to live on forever so um because it is a love story that will never be forgotten I mean they've been together now 45 years and uh it's kind of crazy yeah
0: oh, moment. yeah no
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I w- I was really intrigued by sort of the sound of it because hmm. to
0: me I feel like very often a person from musical theater makes an album and uh, you know, it can either sound very theatrical still or mm-hmm. it can sound like, well, this is going for like a Celine Dion kind of sound or an X right, kind of sound. Right, right. And it was very, uh, I mean, to your credit, I think it, it's hard to say like, oh, well, she's going for X. And oh, I you. think that I think also even it doesn't necessarily sound immediately like a Lin-Manuel Miranda song. Like there, Thanks. I think there are certain chord progressions that you're like, oh, that's a Lin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, well, Lin wrote
1: it especially for me. And he was like, I think there's about five um, different chords that it goes to that it, it just keeps going up yeah um, yeah, yeah. He was was like, say, that's it's not for... like a traditional pop song structure." yeah either. and he's like that's for the beast and um <laughs> you know and he he says that he says that now but um but thank you for that it was really important to me to really have have my sound on the album and uh, to also allow other theater performers that are making albums to say oh like I want I can do my own sound and I can have it doesn't have to you don't have to be boxed in and feel like well I'm a theater performer therefore I have to sound like this or I have to I have to do this song or that song it's like no you can be yourself and you can be embraced by a big record company and um, if you have a producer that's behind you that that knows you really well like Bill knows me really well so there were times when people be like oh I don't believe you and I'm like oh right because I went into a different place there. So mm-hmm. I can't wait for you to hear the whole album because it's really, I think every song, um, it, they're so different because the writing is, is so different. The, the writers are so different. But every song is, I think, a trajectory in, in my life and where it's at right now because it's my same sound. So mm-hmm. I hear that sound in all of in all of the uh, the tracks. So I'm really excited for people to hear the whole thing and, and kind of see where it's at. I mean, I'm singing a Tom Kitts song, which is, A dream, very cool. um, Because he's one of my favorite writers, and I know him really well, and I know um, Rita, his wife, really well. But when I was when I approached him about doing a song for the album, I kind of felt like I had to pitch him, so (laughs) um, which means I had to sell it. So I took him to Joe Allen's, where. you know, it's kind of nice, like, the food's a little bit more pricey, and um, I was like, order whatever <laughs> you want, like, you know, and then I said, so, Tom, like, you know, I'm putting together this album, and, and then I was done, he's like, you know, you really don't have to pitch me, like, I, of course, I'll write you was for dinner, but. I know, he's like, thanks for dinner, but of course, maybe I'll write a song. I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much, and <laughs> and uh because I... It is. It's like a dream, like Jennifer Nettles. And to be able to sing with Chris Jackson again, it was like...
0: Oh. Well, those were a couple of things I wanted to ask oh, you about. Sorry. first. Yeah, yeah. About Yeah, first yeah. about Chris. You have a duet with him. I do. And, I mean, your relationship goes back to In the Heights, it where does. you sang many duets together. Yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about that song.
1: Uh, Life is Sweet was written by uh, Jennifer Nettles and Bill Sherman. And when I was putting together um, the album and the album ideas, uh, Bill sent me that song and said, what do you think about this song? I said, oh the song is awesome, Like I love it so much, Like who wrote it? He's like, "Um, I did, (laughs) Uh, me and Jennifer Nettles, and we want you to sing it. And I said, oh, this would be so great. And Bill said, what about singing it with Chris? And I said, that would be a dream. And so we called Chris, (laughs) same way we called Lynn, (laughs) and we said, you know, Chris, we have this song, Um, would you come in and, and sing it and put your incredible voice on it and make some magic? And he said, yep. Okay. And it was anytime I sing with Chris is like, I feel like I'm home because I know him. I know his voice so well. And, um, we follow each other really well. There's no question of now we're going to make this turn or now we're going to go this way, um, with the emotion. It's like, we're just in sync. And I think that just comes from our collaboration from so long. I mean, I've known him since our first reading of in the Heights, which was like 2004, Um, And I met him and his wife was in the audience pregnant with their first um, their first son. And since um, he has two beautiful children and um, I've had my daughter and we've grown up and we have been through so many things together, but also apart. And uh, it's nice to kind of be back together and say, this is what we sound like now. It's kind of like Nina and Benny grew up (laughs) and they have um, and you know, it's a life is sweet is kind of about going on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and when you fall in love, it's, it's not always perfect, you know, but there is a uh, beauty that you can find sometimes during, during the hard moments, you know, um, anybody who's been in a relationship, a long relationship knows that there's, there's a lot of ups and downs, and uh, the ups are, are what get you through, but it's the downs that really show you how strong you are, and, your strength and your love. So um, I think that there was nobody else to express that song with than than Chris Jackson um, because I I just know him so well because he's Benny, (laughs) and that's just how it is.
0: And Jennifer, I, I get the sense that she is kind of a theater fan. Oh, I for love us. Jennifer.
1: She's incredible. Well, have you seen, like, she's been doing a lot of stuff. She went to the Hollywood Bowl and did uh, Mama Mia, I think. Oh, I didn't see that. I know she did Chicago I briefly. I didn't get to see it either um, because I live in New York. But um, but she's doing a lot of stuff, and she's such an incredible writer. And uh, it's a dream to, to sing one of her songs. Um, and yeah, when I heard it, I was like, yeah. And to have a woman's perspective on on the relationship, uh, is, is really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. I think for me to have that, uh, to sing about is nice. No. And she's certainly a very
0: genuine and oh, heartfelt songwriter oh, too. She's incredible.
1: Um, I mean, as Lynn said, you
0: do have an extremely powerful voice. Um, when Thanks. you're, when you're singing as yourself, as you yeah, were saying, yeah. do you feel like you have to deploy it in a different way in the studio than you do on stage in Hamilton or is it all definitely, some version of the same I thing? think,
1: um, it's so intimate in uh, the studio, I don't have to worry about singing to... I think there's like 1,200 seats uh, in the theater. It's Although Nevin, um, our sound designer, does an incredible job. But there's no uh, monitors on the stage, so you can't really hear what you're doing. You just kind of... You hear it in the chamber of what it is, what everybody in the o- audience is hearing to to a degree. And so um, in the studio, you you want the listener to really come with you on the story. And so part of that, you can't just blasted out when they put on their headphones, you know, and uh, they turn on the iPhone or whatever it is that the droid, whatever it is that they're they're listening from, you, you have to want to have them go along for the journey. So you have to start, I guess, Despacito, you have to start slowly and, uh, (laughs) and, um, and, and kind of bring them in. So I, it's a def, it's definitely a different uh, medium And it was really uh, fun to just kind of play and see where my voice fits in that. Because my voice is very big. I mean, they call me the beast for a reason. And um, it's not... You're extremely beastly in person. Yes. I mean, I have really curly hair, but it's, you know, it's about my vocal prowess, I guess, Um, when I was dubbed uh, with that name at vocal rehearsal because I didn't show up. um, Because I I was doing something else. But then... um, Andrea Burns said to Karen Olivo like where's Mandy like why is not she have a vocal rehearsal and Karen said the beast don't need a vocal rehearsal and after that everybody's like the beast the beast the beast and so you should put that on a t-shirt the beast I know right vocal I should I should um maybe a listener out there will make one for me yes um, uh but so I think I didn't want to lose that part of my voice a part of that there's a freedom in that when people say, Oh, it's, that's a beast moment. It's like, because there's like a freedom, it's the closest I think that I can get to this, the, a feeling of just the spirits or whatever it is. Like that's where I am, where I feel like all the goodness is, is surrounding me. So I wanted people to also feel that on the album. And I think that it's, um, I do, uh, attribute my producer, Bill Sherman, a lot, because he was like, okay, this is a beast moment. So I said, okay. And then he'd be like, okay, this is more we're going to storytell or, you know, bring it down. Or, you know, he really um, helped guide me through this album. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's why. Um, I'm curious whether there is anyone you
0: were listening to as you were making the album or just in general outside of Hamilton. What are you listening to? What's influencing you right now?
1: Uh, um guess i like lana del rey <laughs> right now. own it own it we all I, love lana now um i like uh i just went to gaga's concert um i love all like right now top 40 so um because that's my daughter and i listen to top 40 in the car like that's all that she wants to listen to so i i listen to what's going on right now i i listen to um portugal the man um and one of my favorite singers was was sharon jones and so Mm -hmm. i listened to a lot of sharon jones and the dap kings um actually her um when they were asking me what photographer do you want to use for the album cover i was like i want to use um the one the person that took sharon jones picture Mm because she was such a an inspiration for me just as a person and as an artist and so um jacob lincoln staff also took my picture so i thought that was really cool um but so that's that's pretty much uh, who I'm listening to. Bruno Mars. Um, I'm listening to uh, to all the good stuff. You mentioned Despacito. Oh, Despacito. Yeah, Luis <laughs> Luis Fonsi. Uh, Daddy Yankee. I'm listening to. Uh, it's yeah, a super t- exciting moment for Latin music and pop right now. It is, and it always should be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's it's nice because a song like uh, Despacito, which came out this summer. Um, with Justin Bieber. I mean, even before Justin Bieber came on, it was such a, an incredible song, but the beauty of having that collaboration is that it allowed that song to be heard by millions and millions mm-hmm. of people that maybe weren't listening to Latin artists, And but now those artists, now those people know who these artists are and go, oh, well, I like their stuff. Maybe I'll listen to one of their other records or one of this records and so it, it opens their mind and now I think Beyonce put out a song. Yes, with yeah with Jay Buffin. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is this is right where it should be. And I think that there have been so many artists like uh, that have crossed over, like Royal Stefan, uh, Salina and um that kind of opened the door for that. So I think that this just kinda continues on and uh, and pays tribute to to them, you know, and I think J.Lo Lo has you know, she's a huge crossover artist for, for us, Mark Anthony. And um, and so they've really they've paved the way. And I hope to just keep going. And I'm very,
0: very excited about the JLo Spanish album Oh, soon. no,
1: she's incredible. She really is. She and Mark
0: together are just dream team.
1: I know, it's true, it's true. <laughs> when I met them um, during In the Heights, and she's the only person I think I cried when I met, and I felt kind of cheesy. <laughs> but I couldn't help it because she's such a... Um, a role model, I think, for so many people, and especially, you know, a young person coming up in Los Angeles, and to see a Latina and how far she's come and how hard she works, and it was such a an inspiration to meet her. And I was just like, "Oh, I love you so much!" And then I just like stood in the corner, and um, I think we were also crying because Mark Anthony was there, and um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty big moment. I did the same thing when I met um, Cheetah Rivera. <laughs>
0: That because makes sense. These, I would
1: I would fall apart meeting Cheetah too. Well, because these are legends and um, that have opened the door for so many artists. And you know J Lo, I mean, she's done it all. You know, she had a clothing line. She um, it's when I first started uh, my first job out of out of school. I left school early. Um, I was at CalArts, and I got a job as a background singer for Bette Midler. And ah. to watch somebody like that when you're 19 years old to see a woman. Um, have ownership over like her artistry is such a powerful thing. And I feel like uh, Jlo's is that same kind of artist. And, and so it's inspiring to watch and to see how far she's come and how far she continues to go. So I'll be rooting for her all the I way. I didn't know about that part of your past, but yeah, I yeah. Like, now I mean... we're like, a, we're like a block away, <laughs> but we're on the same schedule. So I'm not able to go see, um, to, we're not able to see each other's shows, but Bet sent me my first uh, telegram. At, um, when I was in my, my first, uh, leading role, she sent me a telegram and I didn't know that people did. still sent telegrams. Yeah, but that's like a, it's like a Broadway um, tradition, you know? And she was the first one to send me my telegram to say like how much she loved the show and, um, well, how much she loved me in the show. <laughs> the show didn't do that well, but, um, <laughs> but it was just that support, you know, and the fact that she gave me my first job and, and saw me out of an open call and said, yeah, you, I'm going to take a chance. And, take you on the road and it changed my entire life so i yeah so i owe her a debt of gratitude very cool and now you're now you're curly haired ladies on broadway together that's right it's very true (laughs) well i want
0: to talk a little bit about hamilton and how it's going right now um i i saw you i think my third time at hamilton Uh, um that's okay that's good that's good no it it was great um And I feel like it has to be intimidating to step into such a huge role as the first person after the original person. And I really love, like, you really bring a very different vibe to it that I think is, like, very original. And I remember I walked out and I was like... The way she does it, Angelica, I feel like I can trust her. Like, oh, there's well, like, thanks. There's sort of like a maternalness to her that I think is, like, really nice and different Thank and, you. like, brings something different to it. So I was curious just what is what did it feel like stepping into it and, like, what has been your approach to her?
1: Um, stepping into it. When I got the call uh, from Tommy Kail that, you know, Renee was leaving and do you want to come and do – hamilton on broadway i was like um just (laughs) let me yes and uh, i remember running to my husband was home and i ran and i was "Ah!" like we just screamed um but i think the brilliance of tommy is that he can put together a company that he knows is going to work really well together um javi and i uh started together at in the heights um so he's like family to me and um we have each other there to kind of, to lean on and to, to kind of lead, uh, this, this company of Hamilton and, um, and to be by his side and say, like, just cheering him on, like to see how far, like, Javi has come as a person, as an artist, it's just, it's a true joy. So, um, and then to have James Monroe Igelhart, it's like, you know, all these people that have been part of the Lynn squad throughout our throughout my time, you know, hanging with Lynn and Tommy and Alex and, and Andy. And then to like, to be able to be on stage with them and like the biggest musical right now. Um, it's, it's just kind of like, whoa, how can you not just be totally psyched? So I am and I was, I was so excited to be part of it. And I think the brilliance of Tommy is that he also knows like, it's about you as an artist, but it's also about you as a person, who you are and what you as a person are going to bring to that role. And I think that uh, having a child, because um, this is my first show, like Broadway show that I've done since uh, Wicked. And since mm-hmm. Wicked, I became a mother and uh, my life completely changed. But the desire and the drive is still the same. Um, it's it's just um, I, more... Um, more organized (laughs) now and I think I even have more hunger for certain things because I want things for my daughter but I think that becoming a mother taught me so much about sacrifice and I never really understood that word I mean I'm a very loyal friend and I'm a very um I love people and I love to take care of people but I'm also um somebody who's very much about my trajectory and what I need to do and what I want to do. And when I had a child, it was like, Oh, this person comes first. And now I, um, my family comes first. So I have to make sure that they're okay before I'm okay. And uh, in an interesting way, it's just how it, it works. And so, um, Angelica, I feel is so much about that. She's about, um, you know, following her dreams. There's this beautiful portrait, um, of her, that the only picture that I've really seen of her, and uh, she's in the portrait, kind of trying to look at the camera, but at the same time, um, her the nanny is holding her child over her, and she's reaching for her child. So there's this sense of like duty, but then mm-hmm. also this sense of wanting to be seen. So mm-hmm. I think that I can understand that. Um, from a woman's perspective, uh, from a mother's perspective, and I think that I wouldn't have been able to do this role at any other time. It's just right timing, um, right role, right place, because I, I bring all of that. When I, I give up Hamilton to my sister, it's a sacrifice for, um, for my own happiness with that, but it also gives me happiness to see that my sister is satisfied you mm-hmm. know and i think that angelica could i mean it's it's really true in the song she could never be satisfied if she had picked him and then her sister would have been because she's the one it's about their happiness before hers and that's just how it is you mm-hmm. know and so um and so i understand that and then i also understand this thing of wanting to be seen because you know we're not written a, about a lot in history books women and we were there too and and i think that her way of being there and letting us know is by writing these letters to these powerful men, and so um, I understand what that what that's like, and wanting to be seen, and wanting to be heard, and uh, your voice matters, and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that Tommy knew that about me, and um, and was like, "You're the right person for this right now." So. I was like, yeah all right <laughs> well what a, what a job to
0: have yeah it's awesome uh seems pretty incredible well yeah. thank
1: you so much for coming thank it was you really so great much. to talk to you thank you so much i'm
0: excited for the shows.
1: thank you and i'll see you at the carlisle yes yeah at the carlisle <laughs> awesome yes. thanks
0: You can download Mandy Gonzalez's first single, Fearless Now, and her album of the same name. Again, will be out October 20th. And if you're in New York and would like to hear Mandy live, she will be singing at the Café Carlisle October 24th through November 4th. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please subscribe and give us lots of nice stars and reviews on iTunes. And if you'd like to tweet at me, I am at Rebecca Milzoff. You can use hashtag Billboard on Broadway. And hope to have you back next week.
1: Selling a little or a lot?